We're going to be in Ephesians chapter uh, 4 this morning. There are microfish uh, outlines. Some of you guys already have those, uh, but they're not really going to be that helpful because they print it out like in uh, microscopic print. And so um, I did upload, however, a pretty high-resolution picture onto Facebook. So if you're curious later, like, what was he talking about? Well, you can look at my outline. It's on Facebook, and it's a pretty large image. So uh, you should be able to blow that up and look at it, and then you can whatever. Anyway, um, I did that because we're going to run through quite a bit this morning, um, just as, as far as a review, and it's kind of going to just like, you know how um, like the second season of a TV show, it'll be like previously on The Family Guy, or I don't know, not really The Family Guy, I don't watch that. Yeah, I had to pick something I don't, yeah, I don't know where that came from, but and they wouldn't do that, but you know, it like brings you up to speed because we're in chapter four of Ephesians. Chapter, the, if you haven't noticed, Ephesians is a pretty thick and rich book, and so by the time we're in chapter four, we've already gone through a lot. Kristen, you're making me feel bad. <laughs> so, so anyway, we're gonna bust through all of that, but I wanted you to be able to have that, and of course, I I did it like my you know my secretary skills are terrible, so. Um, I did a poor job of giving you uh, better clarity. But um, So what we are going to do, though, is just go through, um, just do the highlights of the book so far. But let's pray, because uh, we're going to need it. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us, and not only us, but the whole world. Um, those that we care about that don't know you, those of us that don't know you very well yet, Lord, you love us and you want to. You want us, you want this relationship to go somewhere. You're not indifferent or far off or or waiting for us to make the first move. Lord, you have begun and will finish a great work in us, Lord. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to come away today with a better understanding of the uh, the grip that you have on us, Lord, the power that your hands have on our lives. And we praise you and we thank you for that. We pray that you would speak through your word this morning to us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, actually, you know, I told you I was going to start in Ephesians. But I am going to start in Revelation because the first of seven letters uh, that Jesus dictated. Um, so so uh, in about, what was it, 70 AD? I think so. Or, no, it's like 80, 82, something like that. Uh, John is has been John the Apostle, the guy that followed Jesus around. He's an old, old man at this point. He's exiled on the island of Patmos, and uh, he has a vision. Jesus appears to him. It's explained in chapter one. He sees Jesus. The physical description of Jesus is described to us. Uh, who he is, unequivocally, this is Jesus talking. And then he says to John, "I want you to write seven letters." And I want you to write them to the churches. Uh, He just calls them the churches. An interesting thing is these are seven churches in a very small geographic location in Asia Minor, which is in Turkey now. Uh, You know, Ephesus, Pergamos, Thyatira, Corinth. uh, Not Corinth. That's that's the one that's missing. Uh, Sardis. uh, Laodicea. These are are essentially, it's, it's it's a short circuit mail route. 
that, that he says, right to these churches. But he doesn't say to the churches in Asia Minor. He just says to the churches. And the interesting thing about these letters is there's, there's great application for them to us. Uh, even though this was a letter written to another church, guess what? It's a lot like our church. Um, all of them are a lot like our church all the time. But at certain times, uh, these letters become, they come into sharp relief and they come into great focus because you're like, oh man, that just, like you could read through, it's chapters two and three of Revelation. You could read through these chapters and one of these letters, every time you read through them, if you just breeze through them, one of them you'd be like, mm, mm, yep, that one's me. Because they just, it's a descri- description and a critique of a spiritual state. This is where you're at. This is Jesus saying, hey, I see you. And I know you. I know where you're at. I love you right where you're at. And this is what I want to do in you. And sometimes he's got pretty hard things to say. Because where they're at is a pretty bad spot. So he's like, uh, i got to turn this around and go this way. And so he, he tells that to some of the churches. Um, but in Ephesus, the, the book that we're reading, what's really interesting about this book is that what the problems this church has that, that Jesus mentions here in Revelation chapter 2 are answered for us in the book of Ephesians. So let's read it here. It says, to the angel, chapter 2 and verse 1 of Revelation, it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. And that angel might be a little uh, easily misunderstood. It means angelos. It means somebody who speaks to, basically the speaker of or the messenger to. uh, And that was the primary role of angels. So that's why the word got to be synonymous with angel but to the, to the messenger of the church of Ephesus. <coughs> right. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And in chapter 1, those stars are, just, are uh, shown to be the pastors or the leaders or the angels of the seven churches, um, each, each one being representative of the leader of one of those churches. I hold you in my hand is what he's saying there. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now that's really enigmatic unless you've read chapter 1. And he says uh, in, in the last... Oh, you can look at it. It's right on the same page. Look right above chapter 2. Seven stars are the angels or messengers to the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are, guess what? The seven churches. So I hold you in my hand and I walk among the churches. So in it, this is the picture. Is that Jesus visits all the churches. It's like on a Sunday morning, he's here, and then he runs over to Life Church. He checks in on them. So, how are you guys doing? Oh, yeah. And then another next church down there starts at 1030. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll show up there. So, so he walks among the seven churches. He says, I'm with you guys. I walk among you. I'm an itinerant bishop. I'm, I'm taking care of. I'm making sure that I'm present with you. I'm among all the churches. I don't just hang out with the Ephesians because they're super cool. And, well, you know, the rest of the church is going to miss out. I'm only there. He says, I'm with all of you. And so then he goes on. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles or sent by me and are not. That's what apostle means, is somebody who's sent. And have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience. You have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you or where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. I'll, I'll pull your church apart unless you repent. But this you have, 
that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And the Nicolaitans, um, the best we can understand about them, because that sounds like, oh, wow, it hates them, and Jesus commends them for hating their deeds. Um, the Nicolaitans, this was the idea, that there be a hierarchy and uh, a job description. There, there are people who are in ministry, and then there are people who are not. That there are, that there are like, you know, I'm, I'm uh, the pastor, so it's my job. You know, and there are people who their job is to serve, and then there are people who they're just kind of the, the consumers. So that's the idea. There's the consumerism-based deal. There's lots of problems with that. But he says, you hate that. He says, but the deal is, you guys are all, you're workaholic Christians. You're just working, 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 working. And <laughs> you're doing all this stuff. That's awesome. But you've forgotten that this isn't about what you can do for other people. Remember how Peter followed Jesus around and he always wanted to be Jesus' helper? You ever been in a class? Children's ministry is great. I learned tons about human nature through children's ministry. But one of the common things that would happen, there were some people, some kids that were a problem. And you would, in order to elicit their better behavior, you'd make them the helper. You know, so if you're somewhere and somebody's like, do you want to be the helper? You know that you're a problem. So I was always, a lot of times, the helper. That's how I got to where I am today. (laughs) It's a difference, though. Sometimes a kid will come in and they'll say, I want to be the helper. And they have a mentality that this isn't for me. That I don't need to learn the memory verse. I don't need to hear the story. I don't need snack. I'm here to help you. And they want to have this special connection. I want to be the helper. And so me and you are going to be buds. And, uh, and you, guys, you guys have experienced this? You ever heard, felt this? Noticed this in kids? I'm going to be the helper. And me and you are going to be like this. And they're going to be down there. That's essentially, in a, in a micro way, uh, that's Nicolaity. That, that there be priests and laity. That's, that's where we get the word lay preacher. Because you're somehow like this lower level. You can, you know, you can tell people about Jesus, but don't, you can't give them communion. or what, I don't know what the rules are in those kind of deals. But that's the idea. And he says, you guys hate that. The problem is, you think we're all, we're all workers. And there is no turning back around. And I need to learn. I need, to, I need love. I need embraced by Jesus. And I need to be uh, fed myself. And I think that that's, I, I didn't, like, it wasn't like I picked this and was like, all right, guys, I'm going to tell you. But I think that our church, because it's a church plant, we have that, op, we have that as uh, a possibility that we, that like, okay, this is, what's my role? Here's my job. Okay, I do my job. And, and then we're all, we're all servants. I think that's great. But he says, but when you, but you don't, I don't want you to lose your first love. I don't want you to forget the fact that this is not just about them. It's not just about outreach. It's about you, us being the outreach. And so, I want to go through, show us again, remind us where we've been in Ephesians with this in mind. And so, Ephesians chapter 1. Just kind of go through chapters by chapters. In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame in, before him in love, having predestined us to adopt. You see how I'm talking about 
I'm drawing your attention to who it is being addressed. The we. We have. We've been given these things. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. What he's doing is he's drawing a picture for us, saying, look at what God has done for us. He's drawing their attention back to the group and saying, we are a part of this group and look at what Jesus has done for us. It's not as if, it's only because the reason he draws a special attention isn't because that's the only place to, to look and the only place to see God's blessing. It's also for the rest of the world. But these guys, apparently, that wasn't their problem. It wasn't that they didn't know about outreach. It wasn't that they didn't know about the rest of the world and the needs around them. It was that they needed to turn that blessing back upon each other and themselves and say, I am a recipient of this love of God. And look at what it's done for me. And so Paul uses specific language that points this not just in general at them or particularly at you, but he says, us, we. Me, the grand poobah. Not me, but Paul saying, oh, you, maybe you've got this idea that I'm the grand poobah. He says, I have received this blessing along with you. This is what we share. This is the thing, and it bonds us together that we have received this gift from God. And then, in verse 7, just moving quickly through here, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You, know, you notice, though, in a lot of his epistles, he says you. But here he keeps, he's bonding this group together that's scattered over a large, they're just kind of, they're scatterers. They're like, I'm doing this ministry, I'm doing this ministry. And he says, but look at what we have in Christ Jesus together. Um, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Etc. Now, in verse 11, he says, we have an inheritance. In verse 12, we have trusted and received the Spirit of God. And then in 15 through 22, he says, we've done this by understanding what we have in Christ, and it has caused us to be inspired and grounded. So look... Um, That's, that's, the, that's the, the jest of, of chapter 1, is that we would be inspired and grounded. Like, look at, remember what you have in Christ Jesus. Because this is what, this is what needs to happen. If you're, in, if you're in the situation where your love has grown cold, in a relationship, because that's what's described. He says, you've left your first love. That love that you had when this relationship started with Jesus, you're like, whoa, I can't believe God has done this for me. And you stop, you stop giving that gift to yourself. And this is not a Dr. Phil, love yourself first. No, this is, a, this is Jesus loves you and you need his love. You can't, you can't go giving his love to other people and not applying it to yourself, lest you grow cold. And so if, you're, if your relationship, say you have children, and this never happens, right? You have children and the, the, two, the couple turns, turns back on each other and loves their children, Right? And they're pouring out their love for their children. And they forget the fact that they... The way those children came about was the fact that you loved each other. Right? And, and it's very easy to do that. And that's essentially what's happened in the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus is all about bearing fruit. 
all about having children. And, and it's just a partnership between me and the Lord. And so the church has said, okay, I, I've received the love from the Lord. Now I'm in, and I'm going to take this to the streets. I'm going to hit the streets with this. And they stopped applying that to themselves, and their love grew cold because they forgot that the love of Jesus, that they, that they shouted from the rooftops and said, Jesus loves you, world. Hey, he cares about you, and he, he wants this for you and that for you. You see how it's all about them, you, and then Paul is turning this back around and saying, it's all about us. And us is also them. It's also those on the outside. But it can never become about them instead of us, or our love will grow cold. And so, um, in chapter 2, he turns it. Now, instead of us, look at what he says. And you, who were dead in trespasses and sins... Once you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, you were made alive. And essentially what he's saying is, at one point, you were the ends of the earth. You were the outreach. Now, now, now it's a, he says in chapter 1, this is the inreach. This is us reaching hands to each other and saying, oh, we, we are part of the body of Christ. We need his love. But he says, remember that at one point, you were the utter ends of the earth. That's what these guys thought. When Paul left Jerusalem, when Peter left Jerusalem, and they went to Ephesus, in their minds, they were going a long ways. Now this is the hub. This is the first church mentioned in the book of Revelation. This is kind of central church central now but he says remember that at one point you were the mission field and so don't forget that you are the project that god is working on and so that's what he says here uh verses one through three you were made alive and verses four through ten you were gifted grace and you don't have to prove your spot on the starting lineup so here in verses uh four through ten uh God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up together. He made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, Not because you were such hard workers or you were the helper in the class. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is the key verse to all of the book of Ephesians. It is the key verse to Revelation chapter 2. This is the remedy. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we are the project. That we are the ministry. When I say we are the ministry, a lot of times we'll twist that, right? And if we are the ministry, and if we don't do the ministry, the ministry won't be done, right? That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is we are the ministry. We are the ones that need to be ministered to. And if we lose sight of that, we lose track of that, we miss out on the relationship that God wants to have with us, which is I, I'm being ministered to, and I'm... and I. Always that, that I understand that I am I am the project, and and don't you don't you hate it if you have a friend and you find out like six months into it that you're their project, that they're there to to help you and along, and you're like, oh, I thought we were gonna be like friends, 
and, and now I'm the project, right? Well, the only remedy for that amongst ourselves if we under, is if we understand, because we all need each other to help. But if, if one of us has got this idea that I'm the helper with Jesus and that I'm here to help all you guys and I don't need your friendship back and I don't need your help f- for me from you, um, or if it's just like placating you, you know, like, oh, thanks for the, you know, thank you, but I don't need it, you know. And you're like, oh, well, I need you to need me. And Jesus, that's the mentality. He says, I, I don't want helpers. You are the project. And we have to humble ourselves to allow Jesus to be that for us. That we not just be his buddy and, and, and help him project other people and work on other people. He says, no, we need to understand that we are the workmanship of Jesus Christ. We are his workmanship. We aren't his workers, primarily. We are his workmanship, first and foremost. If we let go of that, we let go of our first love. Our first, the first foundational basis for our relationship with Jesus Christ is that we are his workmanship. And we are, secondly, look at what it says. We are his workmanship. What he creates in us is for good works created beforehand that we should walk in them, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Of course, Jesus wants us, he wants there to be an outworking. He wants us to be working with him in the ministry. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all the things that I have taught you, baptizing them in my name. This is what I want you to do, but you, the you who I'm talking about, is my project. I love you. I want to grow you. I want your heart to become full and mature. And as I do that, I've got things for you to do. But if you skip step A and jump to step B, it doesn't work. And that's what they had done. That's what we do. And Jesus says, don't, don't do that. You'll lose, you'll lose. It'll, it'll suck the fun out of your relationship with the Lord. And so, um, verse 11 through 13 Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles, the outreach. You were the ones that people were scratching their heads and saying, how do we reach these guys? That was us. That was me. Jesus had to scratch his head and say, how on earth will I find him? He's, he's hiding under the... It's, I always picture somebody who's, a, who's, who's lost, like a wounded cat under a porch. That's the question. How do I get the cat out from under the porch. You know what? The only way to go in is to go in after it, right? And you're going to get your face scratched off doing it. But it's out of, you know, you're like, okay, come on, kitty. <laughs> you know? And, and guess, guess what? That's, that's what Jesus coming to earth was a lot like. Crawling under the front porch to a bunch of wounded cats that scratched his face. And he gently pulled us out from where we were. He says, we were once Gentiles, separated, outcast. The hard ones to reach. We were like, huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, how can I get his attention? And the Lord grabbed our attention. He brought us in. He cleansed us and, and bathed us and, and has grown us and matured us. And now we think it's all about them. And he says, no, it's still about you. It's still about you and your relationship with me. It's still about us. And so if we lose that, we, one, we're not very good at going out because we think we're all hoity-toity and like, oh, well, you know, these, these poor people, they need help. And, and we have the wrong mentality about it because we're coming as a Messiah. And there's already been one. We don't need to. You know, Jesus already died for their sins. We don't need to. We need to go tell them about it. And so um, the only way to do that properly is to say, this is what Jesus is doing in me. Not what he did once. 
Like, Jesus fixed me, now I'm fixed. It's like, no, Jesus is working on me. I am his workmanship, present tense. He is working on me, and this is what he's doing in me. And he wants to begin a work in you. And so, um, we were brought in, verses 14 through 18, 19 through 22. We are all little parts of a larger structure. Think about this. These guys had the idea that they were the builders, that we are stonemasons of the church of God. I need to go find some bricks, make some bricks, put the bricks in, the, in a row, and make a wall. I need to build the church of God. And this is what he does. He flips it and he says, you are not the architect, you are not the stonemason, you are the bricks. We are the parts of the, build, the body. We are the, not the builders, not the architect, we are the bricks. And you can't be both. You can't be like, you know, a brick. Hey, go over there, do that. And he says, no, you're the brick. Just sit there, do your thing. Be, stop a hole in the, in the wall. Be a part. But don't get a big head and think that you need to direct all the other bricks where they need to go. He says, that's my job. I do that. I am the architect and builder is God, the body of Christ. That's scriptural. So... I didn't look up that one because I don't want to get way out of it. It's enough that we're in Ephesians and going through the whole book. I didn't want to get all over the place. So, <clears throat> um, Then chapter 3. Paul. So he, it's great for him to tell us this. Hey, don't lose track. You are the workmanship of God. You are the one that he's working on. Don't get a big head. And then they're like, well, what about you, big shot? How about you, Paul? Are you... Also, the project of God. He says, oh, yeah, actually, I, I have been brought a long way from, a long, from very far distant. In fact, I wasn't, I wasn't passively sitting in darkness. I was persecuting the church. I was killing Christians. That's what my job was. I was the executioner for the, for the Jews to kill Christians. That was my, my role. And so in chapter 3... I'm sorry, chapter, yeah, chapter 3. He says, I, Paul, I am the outreach. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard about the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me, that by uh, revelation he made known to me the mystery, etc., uh, etc., etc., et that I'm supposed to be giving the gift of grace to all of you guys, is basically what he's saying. But look, I, I started reading. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not really where I need to be. All the way through chapter 7. I, Paul, this is, I am God's project. And then in verse 8. Even, even to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from what the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, created all who created all things in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying, this is, this is I was, I'm a project of God, and the good works that he's given me to do is to share this with you guys, but I, I'm recognizing, that's what verses 1 through 7 is saying, I recognize that I am the outreach, that I am the one that he's reached out to, that the project is me, and, and this is the role that I've come to play, but I'm not beyond, I'm not beyond that. And then he says this, verses 14 through 20. He says these things. I want, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family 
in heaven on earth is named, that he would grant you, and then he lists some things, and I'm just going to read you the list that I made from these verses, um, that, uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that they be rooted and grounded, and specifically, not the truth, not good doctrine, although those are very important, because otherwise you wouldn't know where the love was, but he says grounded and rooted in love. You see how this is directly related to what, what John wrote to them or what Jesus wrote to them in Revelation. This is what you need to be grounded in, in love, in that first love that you have. If you're not grounded in the fact that Jesus loves you in the way that he loves you, how can you move on beyond that? That you be rooted and grounded in love, that you be able to comprehend, that you'd have a, an, an ability to grasp, to take hold of, or to, to wrap your arms around the idea of God's love, the magnitude and the reach of God's love, whether it's high or deep or wide, those that you would be able to wrap your head around that, that you would be exploring and experiencing the love of God. It says, that's just the way that it says it though. It says that, that, that you would know the love of God that passes knowledge. And, and the two words are different for know, knowing there. It says that you would experience, that you would have, that you'd be able to say, yeah, I've, I've, I've felt that, I know that, I, I experienced that love. And it's beyond something that you could just know in your head, that you could figure out. You can't, you can't put two and two together and get God's love. But when you experience it, you can know, and you can know it in that way. Um, in verse 20, it's God's work to do this for you. Don't go trying to do what needs done for you. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. It's not something that we can like, oh, you know, I need, I need God's love in my life. So I should get up earlier and read my Bible more, longer. Do you realize how that's missing the point? It's not that you shouldn't. It's just, that's not the point. It's God who does this in us that he would give to us this love. Because we can't, you can't muster that up. You can't just like, oh, I love Jesus, man. You know, it doesn't hurt to spend the time, but all you're doing is putting yourself in the place where you can receive that. And so if that's your, if, you know, if, if, it's, if it's more work to get up, then don't, by all means, don't do that and think that you've done what needs to be done to experience the love of God. Don't, don't just like, okay, well, you know, it's January, so time to get back on track, you know, and then like gut something out and think, well, I don't know what the problem is. I worked really hard at loving God. He's like, no, that's not how you do. You, it's, a, it's a humility of saying, God, I need from you. And, and guess what? Reality is you'll wake up in the morning and you'll be like, oh, you know what I want to do? I want to drink some coffee and read my Bible and spend some time with Jesus before everybody else gets up because I just, I can't wait to. And it'll blow your mind. You'd be like, whoa, that was weird. I don't remember that ever being the way that that was. And me growing up as, a, I mean, just a little guy, uh, having that, that, that devotional life, and I, not and this isn't a positive, I'm not bragging. I'm saying I grew up where it was like, okay, you got to do this or you're not doing it right. And so for years, I, I, didn't, I didn't get up in the morning and do devotions. And it was the most cathartic thing for my relationship with the Lord. It's not that I never was devoted to God, but I didn't do it in the morning because when I was growing up, it was a legalistic ritual that we got up and we read our Bibles and we had to, you know, that was like my mom woke us up. It was like, get up, read your Bible. 
You know, that's not tongues, that's growling. Um, so, you know, and so it was a mess for me. And I thought that I couldn't have the love of God. I couldn't have a good day if I'd skipped that. And so I went through a period of time where I never do that. And now I don't do rigid reading plans. Maybe you can do that and it's just an outflow of the love of God in your life that you love to do reading plans. I don't do those because I've ruined that for myself because of legalism in my own heart. And so for this period, and I'm not saying I never will, but for this period of my life, I haven't done that. And so I'm telling you, if that's a struggle for you, don't feel like, oh, you know, I just have to figure out how to do this right. Sometimes it's just not doing that and finding another way for the Lord to work that into your life. And so it's not that I have no devotional life. I don't want you to get that idea that it's not important, but it's important that it be something that the Lord works in your heart, that you're not just grinding out. Because it's not devotion if it's grinding it out. It's just work. And he says, repent. Jesus told them to repent of their good works. Really? Yeah. In Revelation, it says, repent and do the first works. The first things that you did in the kingdom of God were turned this way. He says, repent of all your outworking. And, and, and recognize you need the love of God in your life. Repent of that. That's crazy. That's a really stupid thing for a church planning pastor to say. Is, Guys, repent of so much hard work. Because next week I'll set everything up by myself or whatever. But, but, like, <laughs> but, that's, but that's, if that's the case, I really don't want you to be doing If you're doing something here and it's not an outflow of just I, this is what I want to do, then please don't. We don't need it. We'll just, we'll just do simple stuff. And so... Um, in verse, now we're in chapter 4. How are we doing? How much time have I used? Okay, we're doing fine. <coughs> chapter 4. This first part we've already covered, uh, first couple verses, so I'll read through it, and then we'll, we'll talk about the part that, uh, the last part, 11 through 16. That's kind of where we're supposed to be today. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Beseech you, I beg you, to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. So get to work. That's not what he's saying. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bear with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Kind of, we're all in this together, in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So what he's saying there is there's one God that we serve. There's one thing that has been done for all of us. We all have need of the love of God that's poured out through the cross. This is what we need. And so he's saying this should bring us to unity. Like, not I love you, you love me, let's all, you know, whatever, something Barney said. It's too long ago. I can't remember what Barney said. That's sad. Um, but but uh, it's, not, it's not that. It's that Jesus loves you, and Jesus loves me. I don't like you, but Jesus loves you, and Jesus loves me. And, and I, of course, I don't like myself. Why would I like you? But Jesus loves us. That brings us to unity. And so he says, it's okay. Like each other because Jesus likes you, you all. He says, be at unity in the bond of peace, that, that it's not about whether we are compatible. It's whether or not Jesus loves us. 
And so it says, but each one of us was given, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift, which is a pretty big measure. Um, he described it there in, in verse 20, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That's large. And it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, when he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended to the lower parts of the earth. That means, that it means, of course, that he died. But not only that he died, but he rose again from the dead. And when he ascended on high, uh, oh, and I already read that part. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. That's his point, though. He's just explaining it, that it means when he rose again from the dead, his ability to give us gifts was all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden available because now he our sins were paid for. Now he could throw gifts our way. So he gave gifts to men. And then verse 11 starts a description. That's kind of where we're starting today. Um, he says he gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or to a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, might grow up into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That last phrase, that the body's, the purpose of the body is to edify itself in love, is very controversial. That we not be disseminated out into the world or, or poured out into the world, but rather that the, the point of the church is to build itself. is really controversial. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that because I, I don't think that our church is here just to build itself. Except that when I look at you guys and when I look at myself, I know that that's the purpose, that we be built and that we are built. And, and then what we need to build ourselves is, guess what? More bricks, Right? And so the point is not to build ourselves unto ourselves and just build this little nucleus, like really tight-knit, creepy group where, okay, yeah, we've all got like groupthink, you know, and I I see you and I know know what you're thinking. And, And like, that's not what it's talking about. But it's saying, if we build each other, the the each other becomes more of us and more of us and more of us. And the point is that we build up the people that are here, that are, that are a part of our group. And he says, if we do a good job with that, that's building the body of Christ. And then when we bring somebody in, when a visitor pops in, they're like, hey, this is a healthy group. This is, these are people that love each other, that take care of each other, that, that, that have, are experiencing and have received the love of God. And when they come in, they're not like, oh, well... You know, great, I'm a project. Like, all these people want to fix me. They're like, these people are, are, are growing together. And when that's happening, when we're, when we're in with that kind of humility, then, then people are, are, are welcomed into that place where they're like, I, I think I could grow with these guys. So I'm not saying it's not, it doesn't have any eyes to the outside. But, and, and the, the, the question is, the, the, you know what an edifice is, right? 
like the, the, the arch in, uh, where is that one? You know, the big arch. St. Louis, an arch, yeah. And, and then there's the, the big thing in Washington, the big needle. What's the Washington Monument? Um, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, th- those are edifices, right? That's a monument. It's a, it's a, big, a big thing. Churches literally get into building themselves an edifice. And they think that by laying literal brick that they're building the church. Like, wow, we got this big church. We haven't so far had a problem with that. Because <laughs> but, you know, the van keeps getting more full, right? Of more junk to unload. <laughs> yeah. So, so we could get lost in that. You know, let's build. But, but what it's saying is, when it says let's, build, let's edify the church, it means to literally build the people of the church into what, what the church is. And that is not an unhealthy edification or building up. That means that we not stop caring about people. Because this is what happens. You, you bring people into church, and you're like, you're like, hey, come on in. Oh, hey, how you doing? Now, get, back, get out of the way. Okay, I'm looking for more people. And this person just came in, and they're like, well... I mean, literally this happens. You know, you greeted at the door and ignored past the greeters. That's what happens at churches. You, you, you go to a church and it's like the greeter, they've got a card on this. They got paid to be there. Or you think they got paid to be there even if they did it. That's their role. Like, I'm the greeter man. You know, and it's like, hey, how are you doing? I literally went to a church. We don't get to visit a lot of churches. But I went to a church because we do that when we're on vacation. Went to a church. They gave me a coffee mug full of, like, coffee beans and stuff. I was like, it was like, it was like a bank membership. It's totally like a credit union. Like you start a new account, you get a coffee cup full of like trinkets and stuff. I got a coffee cup. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. I don't know what to do. What do I, if I want to drink coffee out of this this morning, what do I do with the junk? I don't know what to do. So I got in there and nobody else talked to me the whole time. I was like, I got this coffee cup. And it was like, it was like, we want you to come in. But once you're in, get behind, get out of the way. We're looking for more people. And he says, what Jesus said was go and make disciples. And when you have disciples, this is what you have to do. You have to disciple. And, and this is what Paul is saying here, is guess who you are. You're the disciples that, that the Lord went and sent, and you are the disciples. You are his workmanship. We are his project. And so, um, if we, one, we have to have that mentality that, that, I'm, not, that I'm not like a, a project manager or a project worker or there's someone else that's the project, but we are his project. And, and we all together are being built and joined together by... And it says this, that speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Christ is the head. From whom the whole body joined and knit together, but why, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth for the bo- growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so, um, in verse 11, I, I want to close with this part. So, skipping back up, he started this out. He said, Jesus gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And he says, okay, so, so there are some gifts, and I'm exercising one of those gifts right now. I'm teaching. 
And he says, so, so he gave some people to be prophets and some teachers, some evangelists. And so there are gifts where you're, this is my thing. I, I am supposed to go out. I'm supposed to tell people who don't know. That's my job. I'm sent out to tell people who don't know. But he said he gave all of these gifts for the equipping of the saints for the actual work of ministry. So the, this, these gifts are not the work of ministry. These gifts are supposed to help to equip people for the actual work of ministry, which is holding the whole thing together, which is hospitality, which is giving, which is uh, encouragement, which is uh, um, exhortation, which means, come on, guys, let's go, let's do this. Those aren't the gifts of a pastor. Those are the gifts of the body. He says, I, I want... These gifts, these prophetic gifts, or these speaking gifts, or these evangelistic gifts, those gifts that, that like typically pastors have, says those gifts are meant to help equip and and uh, help people come to the realization of the gifts that they have, which are the actual work of ministry, which is discipleship, and that is the role of everybody. And so, um, he says until we all cut, and that's when he starts talking about building up this body. And he says, this is the goal, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And so, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, from whom the whole body, and then he starts working on this idea of an actual body, like physical body, uh, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Because if the shoulder doesn't hold on to the elbow or the, the arm, uh, guess what? You have dislocation, and your, the hand isn't going to be able to do its thing. So he says, if you're a shoulder, your, your job is to, to hold on to this person and to hold on to this person and pull this together. That's, each, each person has that responsibility. And so we've all been given gifts that, that help with that. And, and, uh, and so that's what's going on there. Um, so, again, look at. I want to turn back over to uh, just to, just as we close here. I want to look back at Revelation chapter two. Look at how all of what we've covered addresses the problem here. I know your works your labor, your patience, and that you can't bear those who are evil. And you've tested some who say they're apostles and have not, and have found them to be liars. You've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent... But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so, I think what the Lord would say to our church this morning is, hey, don't forget, one, the people next to you. They're the ministry. But don't forget that the person in you is the ministry of Jesus. This is, this is what Jesus came to earth to do, was to minister to you personally. And, and if you have that squared away, you have that foundation, then you can be effective in ministering to other people. But unless you do... You can't be effective. And so it's a lot like a family that wants to do outreach, that wants to go do stuff. And they're like, hey, let's go you know, serve in the community or do whatever. And if there's fighting at home, if there's unrest at home or un- unhappiness, you don't have a foundation to work from. 
You're just like, ah, I stepped out to do this, and I don't know. Are you behind me? Do you have my back? Can I go and do this? And, and if, that's, if that's shaky, all of a sudden, you got, it just takes the wind out of your sails. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ. We can, go, we can surge forward and be like, let's go. And, and unless we know we've got each other's back, unless we have that, the team building that, that, that has that, then we can't do that. And so, yeah, there's, there's a great need in our world for the love of Jesus Christ. All the more need for us to, to establish, be established in love. So let's pray, and we're going to close with a song. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word and for what it does for us, that it teaches us, trains us. Lord, I pray that this morning it would encourage us that you love us, such as we are. And Lord, that you would, you would cause us not to be unaffected, but more effective in the world around us. Because our hearts break, Lord, for the, the lost. Our hearts break for those who are hurting in our community that don't have a relationship with you, that don't have friends, that don't have the love that you've given us, that we share together. Our hearts break for those folks. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to go about... Uh, Seeking them out, Lord, in a, in a really healthy way. Uh, as a body that we would understand, Lord, that we are your workmanship. That we are created in you. And that you are the one who's created us and wants to build us to a place where we can do the work that you have in mind for us, Lord. And we just pray all these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.